I've listened to Stay Hungry by Twisted Sister for two months. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody and welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james and with me still hungry is connor and i'm not gonna take it oh you aren't gonna maybe i shouldn't take it either so that way we're not gonna take it yeah so see you next week wait no wait don't do that i want to rock you gotta pay the price okay i'll do it just don't let me down uh uh, burn in hell I, I left you with a lot of bad options. <laughs> that really wasn't a good one. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Twisted Sister this week. I figured we were a little overdue for some hair metal. Been a bit. Actually, I don't know if we've really done hair metal totally. We, we talked about Kiss. That's a little more glam, I, I think. Hair metal is what the Tin Man has. No, no, the Tin Man has metal hair. <laughs> what a dumb joke. It was, but that's okay. Yeah, I figured we'd gone a little long the last couple weeks i mean we did 90 singles miranda lambert you're right i admit it was a long album that i made you listen to yeah i thought we'd rein it back in and go a little shorter this week good ray stevens pretty long miranda lambert long back to short now just nine songs on stay hungry actually not gonna get very full you you are gonna stay hungry you're right (laughs) hungry for more twisted sister you might be who knows you're probably hungry for twisted sister or for spin it and that's why you're here right now so thanks if you're hungry for us and if you're hungry for twisted sister oh boy also thanks also thanks get ready we'll we'll accept the thanks on behalf of twisted sister yeah we'll pass it along no we won't we'll just collect it miranda lambert never did show up oh yeah she did oh she did yeah uh, after we stopped recording the mixtaper myself and her we went clubbing oh fun i didn't get invited you weren't you weren't around did you stay till the ugly lights came on yeah wow do you know twisted sister at all yeah we go clubbing all the time no stop (laughs) Like, what's your what's your experience with Twisted Sisters music? Pretty much, I want to rock and we're not going to take it. <laughs> I would venture to say that's most people's experience with Twisted Sister. <laughs> I think that might be it. I don't know. So I'm blanking on any other of their songs. Yeah, I'll be honest. Before I picked up this album, that was more or less my experience with Twisted Sister, save for one exception that we'll get into in a little bit. But this album really does kind of feel like more of that. I don't know. It's got the same feel to it as those two songs. Yeah. Let's talk about Twisted Sister. You probably already know this. You're clubbing buddies. Yeah. But uh, for the audience of people who may not know, Twisted Sister got together in 1972 in a small town in New Jersey. Back in the day, they used to be called Silver Star. And, you know, much like they do today with you, they were hanging out in local clubs, playing music as many as six nights a week. Where we met. You met at one of Silver Star's 1972 club gigs? No, 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 just in the club. Just Oh, just in. That's not as cool of a story. Well, I wasn't alive in 1972, sadly. No. Yeah, you, you missed your chance for this. But if I was, probably still wouldn't have happened. Think of how different your life would be. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it probably still wouldn't have happened. But maybe. there's There there would have at least been a chance. Like I said, they were playing six nights a week. And they even played a 78-show residency in New York City. At one point, 
They played 105 shows in 98 days. Their workload was insane. And they weren't easy gigs either. This wasn't like a quick, you know, cover set. Not a not an easy show. They had costume changes. They played really long sets. Sometimes they'd play until 8 in the morning the next day. And they did that 105 times in 98 days. Not the 8 a.m. thing. Obviously, that happened less than that. But still, my point is it wasn't easy for them. They put in a lot of work. In those early days, the lineup did change a pretty good bit. A lot of, a lot of folks in and out of the band. But people gradually came into the band and eventually they made the classic most famous Twisted Sister lineup that we're talking about today. Danny, aka D. Snyder, who's the vocalist and the lovely face on the cover of Stay Hungry. J.J. French is the guitarist. Mark the Animal Mendoza played the bass. A.J. Perro played the drums. Eddie Fingers Ojeda played the guitar. And honestly, what are the odds that we'd have a second guitarist that had the nickname Fingers? That is odd. It is. Don Felder from the Eagles also was old Don Fingers Felder. Can't believe it. It's happened twice. And according to my recently edited notes, turns out there was another member in Twisted Sister as well. The most classic lineup. Named Connor, who played the mouth trumpet. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah. Which is? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to discuss. <laughs> I have insight, but I withhold it. Were you the top secret sixth Twisted Sister? Twisted sixth That's a mess of a word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Especially after Dee Snyder joined the group, they really started to lean more and more into heavier metal, and audiences were rocking with it. They were really responding. Their shows started to grow. A lot of audience participation really kept fans drawn into the band. They were selling out bigger and bigger venues, breaking attendance records, and they actually started to develop a fan club. Their fan club actually bears a little bit of relevance to the album because the fan club is the S-M-F-F-O-T-S, the sick mother flipping friends of Twisted Sister. And, you know, we'll talk about it in a bit. It got shortened down simply to SMF. So that's the that's the fan club. It's a big acronym. It is. Yeah. Twisted Sister actually started their own record label in the early days and put out their first singles independently before they joined on with a small British punk label called Secret Records. Their first EP and the album Under the Blade came out in 1982, a whole decade, by the way, into their incredibly laborious music career. Like, this didn't happen overnight. They worked so hard to get to a debut album. But it was a it was a hit, you know? Underground success. They even got to open for Motorhead on tour. The album was so successful, in fact, that Secret Records went out of business. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was not the fault of Twisted Sister. That was just an unfortunate consequence. So, the band Jump Ship moves to Atlantic Records for their second record, a label that previously kind of snubbed them, but now that they'd proven themselves, they definitely wanted them. Their second record, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, was way more polished, way more professional, and with the support of a bigger label like Atlantic, they were able to make some music videos, get better promo, really start to build a bigger fan base that's like less localized around New York, New Jersey. Then, in May of 1984, just two years after that debut record, they put out their third breakthrough LP, Stay Hungry. It's definitely hair metal, right? Hair metal's a pretty wide umbrella, I think, but it's not quite the same sub kind of glam metal that's like Def Leppard or Motley Crue. This 
record and Twisted Sister in general is a little grittier, a little darker in tone. It's interesting. It's a very unique kind of hair metal. Stay Hungry is actually the band's only platinum album. It's actually been certified platinum three times. So not only is it their only album to sell a million copies, it's tripled that record. And it was supported by, obviously, the band's biggest hits of all time in We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock. They also released The Price as a single, but it never quite got the same traction, which, to be honest, I understand. It was a pretty successful album. Loudwire put it at number six on their list of the greatest hair metal albums. Rolling Stone named it the number 76 greatest metal album of all time in 2017. So it's really kind of stood the test of time as a bit of a touchstone record in hair metal. And here's a fun fact that's related to another episode we've done. Young up-and-coming metal band Metallica was actually Twisted Sister's opener for the tour that supported Stay Hungry, which is funny because... Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like Metallica outgrew that role pretty quickly and pretty pretty irreversibly (laughs) not too long after. And other trivia tidbits about this album. Remember I said there was one exception to my Twisted Sister experience aside from I Wanna Rock and We're Not Gonna Take It? I don't know if you know the 1985 movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure with Pee-wee Herman, but I do. Uh, We need to add it to the Spin It movie list. I mean, I've also seen it. You have? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, good. Great. Well, that doesn't change anything. We still need to add it to the Spin It movie list because I want to watch it again. Oh, fair enough. In that movie, Twisted Sister makes a really, really great cameo. They recreated the filming of their music video for Burn in Hell, and they had Pee-wee dance through it as like a little gag, which is hilarious. That is pretty good. Right? And it's not their only venture into film either. The song Horror Terria, track number four from the record, got turned into a movie in 1998. It was called Strangeland, and Dee Snyder himself actually played the song's protagonist, Captain Howdy. Well, I don't know if you could really call him a protagonist. He's really just the focal point of the song. But Dee Snyder got to be the murderous Captain Howdy. And in 2004, you know, a good 20-some years later, the band re-recorded every single song on the album for a special 20th anniversary edition called Still Hungry. And it features seven bonus tracks. So I guess we could have made this a pretty long episode, too, if we wanted to. Anyway, this album comes out. Big hit, breaks into the public eye in a very visible way, and it starts to cause this turmoil, starts to stir some things up. Their graphic, violent, and suggestive music, and the music videos that accompany with it, they weren't getting a lot of airplay. Their content was pretty much their death sentence, because nobody wanted to show this violent, gritty stuff that would rile kids and teens up on TV. They didn't want to be a part of that. So, slowly, the band kind of starts to pursue solo projects, kind of get into other avenues, and in 1987, Dee Snider left the band, their record contract was cancelled, and that was kind of the end of Twisted Sister. Sad. It is sad. The sister got twisted. They did reunite and collaborate a couple different times in the upcoming decades, but in 2015, AJ Perro passed away from a heart attack, and the band decided to call it quits for good after one last farewell tour called the 40 and Effort Tour in 2016. And uh, I guess another person we've talked about a significant amount, but never really done an episode on, Dream Theater's Mike Portnoy, what hasn't he done? He filled in on drums for the tour. So that's kind of cool. In total, Twisted Sister would put out seven studio albums, but the bulk of their material is from those first five records that came out before 1987. Before we met. The last two of their seven albums are the Still Hungry re-release and the Twisted Christmas holiday album. Honestly, I'm sorry, audience. That's really why they haven't had time time you know to do any more music it's too busy clubbing oh you said they quit not because one of their members died but because you're too busy partying with them 
Oh, there's a little bit of both. I mean, a little bit of column A, a little column B. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, that's pretty much Twisted Sister as far as like their recording career goes. It's no surprise really that with such call it controversial content and really only one album breaking platinum status, the band's list of awards is kind of short. Their legacy really outweighs their awards for reasons we'll get into in just a second. But in 2006, they were inducted into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. And in January 2023, just a couple months ago, they made it into the Metal Hall of Fame as well, marking the occasion with a special one-time only performance. Not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet, and actually, Dee Snyder really doesn't think that they need to be. He kind of thinks they didn't reach that caliber, which I can respect. Aw. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, as for their legacy, there's another significant bit to their story that we've kind of hinted at but haven't talked about. I don't know how much you know about Tipper Gore, the wife of former Vice President Al Gore, and all the stuff that went down with her in 1985. Have you... We also... She clubs with us and from time to time. She doesn't always show up. I really doubt that. You don't know what kind of clubs we go to. I guess not. But is that a thing you've heard of? Does the name ring a bell? Tipper Gore? Yeah. Any relation to Al Gore? Yes. Uh, you may have picked that up when I said she's the wife of former Vice President Al Gore. Uh, I was too busy co- trying to think about how I was going to work clubbing into my next statement to pay attention. Noted. Yes. Yes. Related to Al Gore. But that's it, huh? Yeah. Well, here's what happened with her. The long and short of it is she heard her daughter listening to a song by Prince or the artist formerly known as Prince, who's now known as Prince again. And she thought it was so vulgar and so vile and so disgusting that something had to be done. So Tipper Gore launches the Parents Music Resource Center and went on this massive campaign against profane and unsavory content in music, like full-on warfare against profanity and suggestive content and violence in all kinds of music. She's actually the reason we have parental advisory stickers on album covers. Oh, wow. Yeah, Twisted Sister is one of the bands that was really under the gun with this in 1985. You can imagine that songs like Under the Blade, Burn in Hell, Captain Howdy, where children are murdered, like that stuff is pretty emblematic of what she's talking about and kind of getting at with this whole lawsuit. Twisted Sister, along with others including Joey Ramone, Frank Zappa, and strangely enough, John Denver, like Country Roads Take Me Home, John Denver, they all testified before Congress about their music as they were trying to straighten things out and come to an agreement. You know, because they were protesting. They said, this is censorship. This is going to affect our album sales if we have to put stickers on things and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's the gist of Tipper Gore and the Parents Music Resource Center. But Twisted Sisters really caught up in that, which is a really unique, interesting trivia tidbit that I felt like we had to touch on. Fair enough. Fair enough indeed. So that's all I know. Now we get to find out what I don't know as the mixtaper... What you don't know? Oh, good segue. ...leads us through the wonderful world of fact or spin. Oh, I guess that means I have to go. Yeah, well, you know, no, 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 you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to sit quietly. Well, I got to move away from the microphone. Oh, see, okay, so every time I say you go somewhere, you go, I don't go anywhere. And oh. then when you say you go somewhere and I go, no, you don't, you go, eh, yes, I do. No, well, it's because I'm still listening. I just can't speak. I have to move physically, but I'm still listening. I'm still part of it. Yeah. Part of the experience. Imagine me looking over your shoulder, cheering you on. I consider you an integral part of the fact your spin experience oh good <laughs> to be honest well let's see what the mixtaper can twist about twisted sister today hey it's me the mixtaper hello welcome back to the show good to be back hot off of uh hot off of win you're hot off of win yeah hot off did i win miranda lambert <laughs> you did 
right. Hot off a win, which means all I have to do is tie this week, and my not losing streak has returned. Yeah, you really, uh, you really did a great job coming back from that double shutout. <laughs> you really recovered fast with a win last week. Like I said, I just I can't best Connor. He's superior to me in every way when it comes to factor spin. I don't know about listen. <laughs> So you're off to start a streak this week, or trying to. Trying to. My goal is to prevent you from winning. So I hope you've only got a classic four, but you've surprised me with... I do maybe only have a classic four. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I got a fun little thing I'm doing this week, though. Yeah, a fun little thing? That's dangerous. Yeah. We'll see if you can catch what it is. Here we go. Up first. You don't tell me? I have to figure it out. No, not this time. One of them almost was murdered by another one of them. What a roundabout fact. Okay. Murdered or like manslaughtered? Is there intent or is this an accident? This was murder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes you say things, and it makes me wonder how good you really are at making your voice sound like other people. What do you mean? Like, what was that accent? I can't tell. They did a good job. No, I don't think that's it. So, murder. I'm guessing it's Colonel Mustard in the library. No, what's the weapon here? A rifle. Oh, an intentional shot with a rifle. Yeah, would be... That'd be almost murder. So, did they shoot the rifle? Who's the victim? Who's getting shot? Singer Michael Valentine O'Neill. Not one of the more famous members, but one of the members, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I said early in the early days they had a pretty rotating door. Uh-huh. That's pre-D Snyder. Uh-huh. Michael Valentine O'Neill was the lead vocalist from 1973 to 74. Yeah. Who was doing the shooting? Sorry. Uh, Valentine was the one doing the shooting. Oh, <laughs> Okay, pivot. My question of who's the victim still stands. Mel Star Anderson. Okay, their former drummer. Yeah. When does this happen? December 1974. Kind of thought that's what you'd say, because Michael Valentine O'Neill leaves the band in 1974, and it's probably <laughs> pretty hard to continue playing in a band with someone who's tried to murder one of you. <laughs> What's the conflict? What's the situation? <laughs> One of the roadies told Michael Valentine that he felt disrespected by bass player Kenny Neal. Okay. And so, while also drunk, frontman Valentine O'Neill said, Oh yeah, well let's go find him and I'll tell him to stop disrespecting you. They went looking for him. Yeah. But instead found Mel Star Anderson, the drummer. Okay. Totally innocent of everything right now yeah but well, he was until he told him to shut up and he didn't shut up oh no some heated words were exchanged and then valentine who brought a rifle along so that he could go hunting <laughs> just in case okay hunting in quotes yes go on grabbed the weapon after the drummer said what you're gonna kill me like a taunt so then he grabbed his weapon well, that's a bad taunt to issue to someone who will kill you uh-huh so, uh, what stops this from being a murder? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Then guitarist J.J. French walks in. Cool. And he's like, oh my god, he's gonna kill him. What are you doing? Stop that. Appropriate reaction. And so instead he just throws the gun on the ground and proceeds to punch him and they start a fight. What? Okay, that last part doesn't make sense. Well, he decided he didn't want to kill him. Well, that's fine. What a weird situation. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. And then the roadie who, you know, accidentally started this whole thing by saying he felt disrespected, uh, screamed, yeah. I broke up Twisted Sister, and then ran out of the club and started running back out on barefoot out in the cold in Massachusetts. Weird. 
Very weird. That's even that's even stranger than the rest of the fact. <laughs> yeah. Like you just watched a guy almost get murdered. There's a brawl going on. And he's like, I broke up the band. And <laughs> I must weep at the at the ending of my favorite club band. What? Uh uh-huh. I think this is a I don't know. There could be some crazy stories out here about this band. Could be. Maybe there's a bunch of crazy stories and I didn't bring any of them. Maybe there's a bunch of lame stories and I brought all those. I don't know. So they kick Valentine O'Neill out of the band after this. I don't, yeah, I guess. I mean, this was part of what led to it. I don't know if it was because of it. Maybe it's the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. Yeah. So Kenny Neal, the guy that initially was charged with being rude, suffers no nothing. Mel Star Anderson is fine. Gets maybe punched a couple times, but walks away. Valentine O'Neill leaves the band. Yep. This is hard. I think this is... My gut wants to say spin. I think this is... I'm going to have to say fact. Oh, he's going against the gut this week. It's it's against the gut kind of week. I feel like it could be true. Yeah, if that's what you feel like and want to lock in. It's a convoluted circumstance, and I think if you were going to make it up, I feel like you'd streamline it a little bit. Mm, Okay, playing the odds. Lock it in for me. I'm going to lock in that this is true. Locking in true. This is a convoluted... Ah! Oh, it's oh, real. <laughs> That's a lot. I thought I'd kick us off with some information about some lesser-known members of the band. Their wild antics. I like it. The wild antics that we're going to get into aren't just exclusive to the main members. It's just the band in general. No, the sister's really twisted. Yeah. My next one, D. Snyder, was a part of two Broadway productions. Almost. D. Snyder in Broadway productions. Almost. Was he fully in either of them, or did he just come close both times what's the almost apply to i don't really know if there's an answer to that <laughs> to either side like it's a different thing entirely than either of the two you posited uh, okay i want to be clear because you know i've been known to stretch the titles of these from time to time right you know in my dastard ways it's from time to time <laughs> every week yes <laughs> that is a time to a time mr mr presidential mix-up come on <laughs> I want the record to show I'm not the one stretching the tr- uh, the title on this one. This is D. Snyder himself stretching the definition of Broadway production. Okay, so he's into productions, and they're almost Broadway productions. Yeah, even that's not quite there, but one of them is. He's on Broadway <laughs> twice, and they're almost productions. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure this out. No, you're not gonna, because it really doesn't qualify. I'm all out of permutations. <laughs> But we're going to talk about the one he was in first. He was in the 2014 New York Philharmonic concert staging of Sweeney Todd. Oh. Which he says is close enough to Broadway to count. Well, it's not really, but I like that a lot. (laughs) Sweeney Todd is similarly dark. And the theatrics of this album, stuff like Horataria, Captain Howdy, like, I can get behind that. I can get into it. Sure. So he he does that. Yeah. Now, is that a concert? I mean, you talk about Philharmonic. Is that he just singing the music or is it actually a... Yeah, well, it's singing the music and then they've got, like, people in costume up on stage kind of, like, acting it out, but... Right. Like a little showcase kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What part did he play? Was he Sweeney Todd? No, no. He was just part of the group that sang, sang the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. Oh, okay. How big was the group? I don't know. Was anyone else notable in it? Can't tell you. Okay. What made him decide to do this? He's just always had a thing for Broadway show tunes. Sure. Okay. Which, again, sounds like a weak answer, but is like totally true. He actually goes on to talk about how... Of course you'd say it's totally true. Well, you're right. 
I would. He talks about after the success of Twisted Sisters, A Twisted Christmas, it gave him the confidence in, uh, to go be a part of any abstract project he felt like doing. That's nice. But now let's talk about the one that he almost did. Yeah. That he says also counts <laughs> because he almost got the part. <laughs> Oh, but this one's an actual Broadway production. This one's an actual Broadway production. <laughs> okay. What's that one? It was a limited engagement run of Phantom of the Opera. Why would Phantom of the Opera need a limited engagement Broadway run if it's already, well, until recently, had a standing Broadway run? Because it was to commemorate Phantom's 20th year on Broadway. Oh, so it was like a like a special second performance with random people in it? Uh, not random, but yeah. First of all, what part was he trying out for? Well, he almost got cast as the Phantom. That's hard to believe. Yeah, okay. And who did he lose out to? John Kudia, who was a Broadway kind of name. Uh-huh. Who else is in this show? What's, what's so special about it as a 20th anniversary limited time thing? Well, Whoopi Goldberg plays Christine. Oh, yeah, that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. <laughs> that's it? Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to a musical that's Whoopi Goldberg and Dee Snyder doing Phantom of the Opera? I, that's what I want. It's what I want. I feel like we were robbed. No, think about that. Do you really want that? Yeah, for a limited run? Heck yeah. Be hilarious. Hmm. This one isn't sticking with me. This one isn't sticking with you? The Sweeney Todd one I like. I really think that's pretty good. Uh, oh, just this specific production. Gotcha. This specific bit about 20th anniversary Phantom. I think that's sound in Spanish. Mmm. So you think I gave you a partial truth? Yeah, I do. I think this one's... I'm going to lock it in. Overarching on the whole spin. Okay. This is a spin. Oh, pleasantly well i'm not surprised i guessed it but it's always it's a relief every time you say the final word because <laughs> i'm never a hundred percent i'm always like in the 70 80 range <laughs> but you weren't your logic was off both of them are false oh well good for you you made up one that sounded really good if you had just left it at that maybe i would have believed it i wish i had did a 20th anniversary limited run of phantom actually happen yeah with Whoopi goldberg and the guy i said okay i thought that maybe was true and the Snyder did sing music of the night in the musical like it's no. just a normal phantom <laughs> except for that one song where d snyder comes <laughs> no, no 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 sorry <laughs> He released D Does Broadway in 2012, a studio album by D. Snyder, where he just did a bunch of Broadway songs, including The Ballad of Sweeney Todd and Music of the Night, which is where I pulled this from. Oh, that's why I believed it. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. I bet he's got a really interesting take on Broadway songs. Probably. <laughs> Have you figured out what I'm doing yet, though? My, my little fun thing is I'm doing? Not 100%. Oh, okay. Are we increasing in scope? I mean, the first one, you were very, like, one of them did this. This one's a two Broadway productions. Is fact three about to be a triple of something? Is this a, <laughs> a three-related fact? I don't know. You tell me. The band was involved in a three-car meltdown. It sounds like I'm right. You didn't really confirm it, but... We'll We'll see if the pattern continues. I'm impressed that I got that off of two facts. Usually the things that you do are a lot more obscure. Okay, a three-car meltdown. Yeah. Are they, I mean, maybe touring in like a touring caravan? In a truck. In a truck? Yeah. I think it was probably like a box truck. But what's the three-car meltdown thing happening? We'll get there. Okay. They're in a truck. There are Well, hopefully they're not cars. in the truck. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. They were clubbing. Okay. Clubbing at their favorite club, Speaks, in 1978. Yeah. 
and three cars melt down there. Someone yelled while they were there, your truck's on fire. Oh, no. And they opened the door behind the stage, and their vehicle was completely engulfed in flames. That's not good. How did that happen? We'll get there. But it was so hot and so ablaze, it melted the adjacent vehicles on either side of the truck, belonging to different bands that were also playing. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's wild. Was anybody hurt? It sounds like everybody was out and inside the venue and all their gear was inside, right? Uh, Their gear was not inside. Okay. But they were... all their stuff was inside yeah i meant inside the venue oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry yeah you said they were on stage like imagine them being on stage without any of their gear (laughs) right i follow so what caused the fire we know it wasn't billy joel (laughs) he didn't start the fire could have been uh johnny cash yeah was this intentional was this like a malignant arson it was intentional who did it what does someone have a vendetta they found out two years later it's probably valentine o'neill coming back to get his revenge Who did this? They found out two years later when the ex-wife of the son of a rival club owner walked up to them randomly while playing at a Pac-Man bar. What? What? <laughs> okay, very specific. The the son, no, the sorry, the ex-wife of the son of a rival club owner. Did I get that right? Yeah, you nailed it. Guy owns a club. His rival has a kid. No, 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 no. They were playing at a club and their truck burned down. The s- yeah. ex-wife of the son of a rival club owner to that club that That's they were playing That's what I'm saying. At. Yeah, the the... That club, they've got... Okay, we'll we'll make the tree here. There's that club. Yeah. Club A. Club A. Owner of Club B hates Club A. Yeah. Owner of Club B has a son... Heck yeah. ...who has a wife... Heck yeah. ...who frequents Pac-Man bars. Well, has an ex-wife. Yes. Well, at one point, he did. (laughs) Anyway, she says, hey... My father-in-law burnt down your truck. No. I burnt down your truck to get in good with my father-in-law? <laughs> no, her ex-husband did it Oh, after her ex-father-in-law told him to do it. It was a hit. Uh-huh. So Twisted Sister just got caught in the crossfire of a club war. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I'm going to say... <laughs> Is a spin. Going with spin, even with all the details. Yeah, yeah, especially with all the details. You know what does it for me is the fact that it was a Pac-Man bar. I think that that feels to me <laughs> like the kind of padding that you would put in going, well, surely he'll believe it if I am specific about a weird Pac-Man bar. Like, that may throw him off the scent. Oh, man. You've been picking up on my um, habits, my tendencies. I'm trying. <laughs> Good thing. I have no habits or tendencies. This is a true fact. Oh, maybe I was a little quick to bite on that because I really did think that it could be true until you said that last bit about the Pac-Man bar. The meltdown sounded believable. Three-car meltdown. Yeah. There goes my shutout. Yep. And really puts the pressure on for this last one. It's going to be 50-50 or I'm going to win. Either the, sh- the streak lives or dies. No, it's not a sh- no, well, it's not a streak. Well, the streak lives or isn't born. It's this is you you not losing, I guess. Yeah, the not losing streak will begin. Right. Tell me what they've done four of. They caused four separate clubs to be destroyed. That's a lot. A lot of cl- you, I thought you were just doing the club thing as like a bit. I didn't realize you were setting up how much. Wait, who's doing a club thing? Well, just you and Twisted Sister, how much you go clubbing. What? I, I don't go clubbing with them. Connor does that. R- okay, right. Sorry. I didn't realize. Yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> didn't realize almost all the facts were going to be club related. They played a lot of clubs. What can I say? Apparently. Now, was one of the clubs the one that was arson attacked? No. That's not one of the ones that was destroyed because I guess they didn't cause that either. 
what happened? Just rowdy fans trashing the place? Yeah. Interesting. But they were told to do it. Who was told to do what? The fans, the fans. were told to trash the place? Yeah. Or the band was told to have the fans trash the place? Uh, both. What? <laughs> hey, we want some insurance on our failing club. Why don't you just have everyone rip it to shreds? Pretty much. Uh, not quite, but yeah, pretty much. Not quite, but exactly. <laughs> the club owner said, by the way, we're closing tonight. It's like the last night that this club's open, and we hate our landlords, so, you know, we don't really care what you tell people to do. Tell them to smash it up for all we care. That would be hectic, but maybe the most fun metal show ever. <laughs> and so, yeah, at that gig, they told the crowd that it was the last night and that they wanted people to take everything. Turns out that guy wasn't the owner <laughs> and the club was open for three more years. That'd be funny. Wild. So that's one club. Oh, no, no, no. We're not done. And boy, did people take everything. Yeah. When I say they trashed this club, they trashed this club. What's the most ridiculous thing they took? Well, they went to the bathrooms and took the stalls and the fire alarms. Fire alarms? They took pieces of the wall and pieces of the structural foundation of the building. That is insane. They brought down the false ceiling and caused the plumbing to burst a leak. They had to wade through water to retrieve their gear back from on stage. Oh my gosh. What you're saying is that night they sang, we are gonna take it. <laughs> you name it, we're gonna take it. Yeah. Wow. So that's just one club. Are there any other clubs that were destroyed intentionally or are there just a couple other accidental mosh pit induced destructions after hearing about the unrehearsed demolition three other new york and new jersey club owners asked them to do the same thing they were all asked to be destroyed yeah why were they all closing or was this just a publicity stunt i don't know it doesn't seem like they were all closing i think it was just because of the popularity and like how much it drew in a crowd that is so wild no no, no but if you draw in the crowd to make all the money Surely you got to put all that back into repairing, I mean, the structural foundations of your building. <laughs> no way. No way that's profitable. I don't know. Ah, here's where you got me with this one. Here's what I don't like. Okay. I don't like that this is four clubs. I don't like that you've done this one, two, three, four thing. Four of a kind. Because it's either a really lucky coincidence or you're lying. You've only spun one of these. I'm trying to determine whether you found one, three, and four, and we're like, oh, I can make the t a two fact and, and fill it all in. Or if you found one and three and went, eh. But I think... This is so outrageous. You're going to go true? I am. Yeah, I think it has to be true. See, I know your tendencies and habits. Well, I don't know. It's kind of one that I want to believe again. Oh, okay. But also, again, I mean, Twisted Sister has a reputation for being kind of a rowdy band out there and playing as many shows as they played. I'm sure, I mean, four times this could have happened. Mm -hmm. And I really do think it's very plausible you could have found a one, three, and four. Sure. Before you lock this in, though, I do have one other interesting tidbit. Oh, can you do the thing where you pinky promise that this tidbit's not going to turn it into a spin? I cannot pinky promise anything, no. <laughs> now I'm going to lock in fact, and now you can tell me whatever you want. <laughs> okay, you're still going to lock in fact, even though I can't pinky promise anything? Well, I'm locking in fact before you say this tidbit, because I suspect... Oh, no, I said before you lock in fact, you're not allowed to lock in yet. I'm not allowing it. No, whatever you're about to say is going to make it false. Not necessarily. Say what you're going to say. Connor was in the club. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the three clubs that they were asked to destroy were Emmett's Inn, The Soap Factory, and 2001 Odyssey, which is where John Travolta's famous dance in Saturday Night Fever was filmed. Interesting. Which means Twisted Sister destroyed the club that Saturday Night Fever was filmed in. That is interesting. And at... 
2001, weapons were confiscated from fans who went through the metal detectors. At the soap factory, the wallpaper was torn off the wall, and pure sheetrock came down with it too sometimes. And that's it. That's all I got. I'm concerned. Okay. You only named three clubs. What are you talking about? Well, because there's the fourth one that we were already talking about. Did I not tell you the name of the first one? No. Oh, Hammerheads. That was scary what you just did. I don't know how to feel about it. I, it's Hammerheads. Hammerheads is a pretty good club name. I don't I don't think that's one you made up on the spot. I'm going to say that this one is still a fact. Still a fact? He told you. Mm. I just wanted to give you the, the information. I don't know. He doesn't know. No, though. Why'd you only say three? He said the... But what you said verbatim is the three clubs that they destroyed. You didn't say well, the, the other three, three new ones, the three other ones. Uh, I didn't give you a whole book report on. Okay. Stick it with fact, or are you too scared, little chicken? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Stick to your guns, you coward. <laughs> Why would you encourage? I can't. Now it's the double psychology thing. Where like, are you saying that because you want me to say fact? Were you saying that because you want me to switch? No, you're right. I don't want to influence you, so I'll stop and let you just make your decision. Great. I don't know what to do. I'm going to stick with fact. Stick it with fact. Are you sure? Because you seem pretty wishy-washy on it. It was not an easy decision, but I think this is true. You scared me with your wording, but I do believe that it was just an accident. Okay. Officially. Locked in. I Yeah, locked in. I was locked in before you said that last part. And now you're locked in after I said it. Yeah. Not changing it. Nope. All right. This is... Hold on. Oh. I don't want to change it. I just wanted to make you stop. Okay. You scared me. (laughs) A true fact. Yay! I stuck to my guns, unlike the guy that almost murdered someone. And it paid off. Why didn't you change your answer? Why didn't you change it? No, it's because it was 134. 134. I was like, that makes sense. You would spin a two in that case. Yeah, but the problem is that's not how it went. Oh, it's not? I found one and four and then said, how can I shoehorn in a two and a three with a spin? And then in the process of researching other things to find something to base a spin off of, I found the three car meltdown and went, oh, well, look at that. (laughs) Huh. What a happy accident. Yeah. Well, my logic was flawed, but my conclusion was correct. I'm glad I've I've got a win back after a really interesting couple weeks. You just had a win back uh, two weeks ago. The host team had a win. Yeah. But me personally, I haven't had a win since ZZ Top. Host win counts for you, so you should be happy you won that episode. Well, I am. I am happy. Ecstatic. I've never been anything else. All right, good. I'm pretty happy this week, though. I prevented that streak. Oh, it was a close one. It was down to the wire. But we'll see how close next week is on another exciting round of Fact or Spin. That one will be down to the piano wire. Yeah. All right, Connor, you can come back over to the microphone now. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Since you stepped away but never left. Yeah. Worried you weren't going to get that last one. I was worried too. I wish you would stop confusing me with the mixtaper though. Really hurtful. It's an honest mistake. (laughs) You should really be able to tell us apart. I mean, we've been friends for way longer. He deliberately makes his voice sound like you. That's all. Yeah. And I, I feel like he also maybe slipped up and definitely said he went clubbing with Twisted Sister at least once. 
I don't think he did. But I don't know. We'll have to check the tapes. Although I think I maybe invited him one time just, you know, as a pity invite. Uh-huh. The mixtaper got to pity club with Twisted Sister. Added to the canon. Yep. Let's talk about the album art on Stay Hungry. Boy, it's a fun one. I'm hungry for it. You're hungry for it? It's D. Snyder. I mean, dressed in tatters, crouched in a corner, just chomping on a giant raw bone. What? Uh, what an image. As one does. As one does. Is this what he does at the clubs? Usually how the club night ends. Usually we know it's time to go when, when D's in the corner chomping on a bone again. It's like, uh-oh, time to go. Time to get out of here. What do you think? Does he look hungry? Yeah, in like a ravenous sort of hungry pack of wolves kind of way. And also look at his makeup. I mean, what's with that? What do you think? Good, bad, otherwise? Otherwise. I don't know what that means. If it's other than good or bad, you I mean, otherwise, I guess, would imply that it's in the middle. He's got this really blue eyeshadow on, and these red triangles or points on his cheeks. It's a captivating image, to say the least. It's going to catch your eye and kind of make you go, oh, okay. And I guess it really is it's a good job at blending the darker, more the kind of things on this album that would make Tipper Gore sue you. Also, like, blended with... Their just general attitude, you know, as a band, the way that they kind of present themselves. It seems to be a good representation of the record. Their logo is also pretty cool, too. It's a little T and an S made of bones all twisted. Looks like a diamond with a hat. It's a cool logo. It's great. The only technical fact I have about it is that Bob Deferin was the art director for the album. So he's the creative mind behind stuff like this. Thanks, Bob. Wow. Anyway, let's talk about these nine tracks. Starting with track number one, a title track right off the bat, Stay Hungry. I like it when an album starts off with its title track. Yeah, it lets you know what it's all about right away. Especially this title track. I mean, it's super high energy. This explosion of hair metal really scratches that itch right away. And sets the tone pretty well, I think. Yeah, I liked it. I did too. I honestly think, from what I can remember off the top of my head, it's definitely the fastest song on the album. The most intense tempo-wise. It's not about literal hunger, of course. It's about maintaining a passion to chase after your dreams and your desires. Really wholesome. Surprisingly so, as a matter of fact, given the album cover and just the general sound of the music. Stay hungry, don't let your passions die. The second verse kind of takes it up, though, lyrically, to another level. They say, never show your weak, be the hunter and the hunted. Stay motivated, don't let your guard down. It's interesting. I'm not sure these are, like, earth-shattering lyrics. They're not mind-blowing certified poetry. They do enough to carry the songs, I think. But I, for the most part, this record on the whole feels a little, little lighter in the lyric department. I see. I don't know. Did you kind of get the same sense? Uh, I didn't notice much of a difference, I guess. I mean, the whole next song is just them saying we're not going to take it over and over. Well, actually, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I thought we're not going to take it. It's a little bit of a better side to the lyrics. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about hair metal in general? Are you a hair metal guy? Where does it rank on your genre preference? Am I allowed to be? Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to be whatever you want. Yes. Yes, I am a fan. Okay. That's good. I'm staying hungry. One thing I do like, though, they do a good job, like, while the lyrics, again, aren't mind-blowing. In the third verse, he does a nice little pivot, and they talk about what will happen to you if you don't stay hungry, which I think is a great new direction to keep this concept from getting completely stale, because I think by the end of verse two, we've 
juice almost literally everything out of the concept of staying hungry for your dreams. So it's nice that they found more room to move in the third verse. I do like that. I think it's a fun song. I like it. It's a good tone setter again, but yeah, it has nothing on track two. We're not going to take it. This is our life. This is our song. This is our? This is not our song. It's Twisted Sister's song. It's ours now. They gave it to me. I wanted a bet at the club. They gave it to us. They said it right there in the lyrics. Yeah. This is the song that launched the band into infamy, and I feel like long into the future long after twisted sister is like a distant memory this song is still going to stand alone in their catalog as like v1 you know yeah now most of the album d snyder wrote in one 45 minute writing session which is kind of wild for a 36 minute album i mean wrap your head around that 45 minutes to write <laughs> 36 minutes of music that's wild yeah but the lone exception is the main hook of we're not going to take it he sat on that for three years before he was able to figure out what he wanted to go with it and turn it into a full song and yeah he leans heavy on that hook like you said on the chorus they really do just repeat we're not going to take it we're not going to take it but i thought the lyrics were kind of above the standard for the rest of the record the chorus is simple because it's that whole idea very distilled into its key component but the verses really kind of have this measured and mature rationale that back and justify the passion of the chorus yeah that's fair but you're right the chorus is is it (laughs) actually to listen to the song it bears a lot of resemblance to the christmas song oh come all ye faithful yeah which is kind of funny twisted sister i mean acknowledged this they actually did a cover of the song where they set the lyrics from oh come all ye faithful to the music from we're not gonna take it melody aside thematically the songs could not be very much more different yeah it peaked at number 21 in the united states and it's another one of those songs that drew a lot of ire for the rowdy themes it's one of the band's songs that made the pmrc's filthy 15 list that they took before congress wow one of the 15 filthiest songs i don't know about that that's what they say and and d snyder doesn't know about that either he argued there's absolutely no violence of any type either sung about or implied anywhere in the song and i gotta agree with him he's really kind of right not kind of he just is right yeah i agree he wrote the song he knows what's here i mean he could have just been lying he could have still been wrong <laughs> but he wasn't no but listen to the song i mean there's there's not a smidge of violence in fact he actually wrote it to be just a general teen anthem that was really broad in scope so he could apply it to all kinds of different situations so it, it's not just you know one specific group that's not taking it anybody cannot take it and and convert this to be fair he does call them all worthless and weak i mean the people that are trying to make them take it are worthless and weak yeah and then saying now drop and give me 20 that's pretty violent push-ups make me do push-ups yeah that's pretty violent i went well no way i guess we don't know 20 of what we're implying we're inferring push-ups drop and give me 20 punches to the face that's pretty violent yeah i think we're not gonna take it is probably the best song on this album just all around it's a great one as the people's champion i agree there you go i was gonna say this is the one twisted sister will be known for also i think i have double rights to make that statement (laughs) stop people's champion and the twist master general i knew where that was going before (laughs) you said it i hate you I'm the Twist Master General. You're the expert on all things twisted, including <laughs> Twisted Sister. Wow, how did that get so relevant in the very next episode? That's unreal. How did we not put it together until an hour into the recording? Yeah, I don't know, but now it's here. Darn it. Yeah. 
I really thought that was like a one episode bit. I didn't think you're going to get any other <laughs> opportunities for Twist Master. <laughs> what do I know? Well, we move on from we're not going to take it to a... Into hell. Well, yeah. It's a lesser known <laughs> Twisted Sister cut. Not unknown. Still one of the more popular tracks on the album. And like I said, the one that's featured in Pee Wee Herman's big adventure, Burn in Hell. This is a long song. Yeah. It's the second longest on the album. Not as long as the next one, but yeah. The next song is like two songs in one, so it doesn't really count the same. Fair. And to be honest for me, the verses just don't do much for me on Burn in Hell. Yeah, I agree. They're slow. They're, to be frank, boring. And again, the the lyrics. I like the way they're sung. Oh, yeah. He sings great. Tonally, it fits the vibe very well. But again, lyrically, abandoned land. Take my hand. No work or play. One bill to pay. Five words to say. Like, ugh. You know, that's a, mm, those are easy, kind of lowball rhymes. That's the kind of stuff, like a verse like that is what I think shows the places where this album was written in 45 minutes. And not to mention the chorus. They are really good at, at paring down lyrical substance in the chorus. Look at Stay Hungry. The chorus is Stay Hungry. Look at We're Not Gonna Take It. The chorus is We're Not Gonna Take It. Look at Burn in Hell. The chorus is You're Gonna Burn in Hell. Uh, like, that's it. It's fine. It's fine. That's a good summary of that song. It's a metal song. The, the instrumental work, I think, is better than anything lyrical in this song. But... A song that does deviate from that chorus pattern. Eh, in a way. A, a, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Depends on your definition. Is Horror Terria. A song that comes in two parts. Part A, Captain Howdy, where the chorus is, stay away from Captain Howdy. Yeah. And part two, Street Justice, where the chorus is, call for Street, <laughs> call Justice. For street Justice. So, so really, it's not very <laughs> different at all. I guess it's, you're right. I Just the stay away part is what sticks in my head from the chorus instead of the Captain Howdy part. Yeah. But no, you're right. So this song, I mean, what a wild story song. I can't believe that Tipper Gore and Congress started to go to war over the violence and we're not going to take it. And not Horror Terria. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I think this is one of the most twisted. No, you know why? Because we're not going to take it with super popular and this wasn't. <laughs> you might be right. You're right. Probably a big part of it. All the people who were so upset about all this crap were like, this is a popular song that I know of. They didn't even know this song existed. They didn't actually care. Well, you're right. And it's an album cut, not a single, not something people are hearing on the radio a lot. Yep. True. Good observation. But th I think this is one of the most pun intended, twisted songs that we've done right next door to Avenge Sevenfold's A Little Piece of Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Same level. So part A, Captain Howdy, is about a guy. This Captain Howdy character, again, who Dee Snyder played in the movie who lures kids into this dreamy land the verses are kind of spoken from his perspective but they get broken up by that ominous warning from a third party telling all these kids to stay away from captain howdy exactly do you think they named him captain howdy just so it would rhyme with away when they sang it maybe but also it's just like a that's like a gung-ho little stupid name you know is it yeah i'll agree with stupid i don't know about gung-ho I picture this kind of like, I mean, we talked about John Wayne Gacy on our Illinois episode. Ah. Uh, feels like that kind of serial killer situation where he's like a clown or an entertainer. Okay. Captain Howdy, it feels like his persona, right? And he's luring these kids in as this fun, again, dare I say, gung-ho, Captain Howdy. <laughs> and then, yeah, 
He lures all these kids in. He locks the doors, traps them inside, and murders them pretty needlessly. What a bad dude. I mean, most murder is needless. Okay, point taken. <laughs> so that's part one. And and I do, that chorus, something about its simplicity is so memorable. I mean, you only listen to this album once, and you can still sing Stay Away from Captain Howdy. Yeah. Nice little hook. It is. So the second part of the song is Street Justice. Captain Howdy gets caught. Some dad somewhere goes looking for his missing kid, and the hunt inevitably leads to Captain Howdy. So he gets arrested, put on trial before a judge, who, after a three-drink lunch, (laughs) gets drunk and lets Captain Howdy go free on a technicality. What a bad judge, first of all. Yeah. But second, I mean, so what do you do when that happens? Well, you call for street justice. The mob forms, smoke fills the air, they resolve to kill him. And we don't really know definitively how the song ends, but it can be pretty safely inferred that Captain Howdy gets his comeuppance. The song ends with kill him, kill him, get him. So I assume he gets got. And let that just be a lesson, all you potential murderers out there. You'll get got. You'll get got. I feel like this isn't the best song to play for potential murderers. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. For the record, if you are a potential murderer listening to this podcast, don't be. Yeah. That's our public, that's our spin it PSA. Podcast service announcement. Yeah, that is our official stance, and you can quote us on that. If you're a a murderer, don't. (laughs) We did just do a whole fact about almost murder. It's a murdery episode. Well, but they were almost murder and not actual murder. Almost murder, we'll tolerate. No, we, no, no. (laughs) I can forgive almost murder. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's different. It's different. Anyway, that's Horrorteria. Also, what a campy name. Horrorteria? Eh, that's rough. I like the song. Seven minutes and 43 seconds. Feels a little long. It's saved by the two-part split, but it's up there. The next song on the album, I'll be honest, Twisted Sister was not the first version I was familiar with. Whoa. Yeah, the next song is I Wanna Rock. Rock! I feel like the guitar should have played right there. (laughs) (laughs) All I can think about when I hear this song, and it's just solely a result of the era in which I grew up, is the SpongeBob movie. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. You didn't think about that? No. That didn't you didn't listen to the song and go, I'm a goofy goober? No. Wow. Can't say I did, but I'm also familiar with this song. Yeah. So you watch the SpongeBob movie and think of Twisted Sister. No. <laughs> oh. That's a movie we should put on the spin it movie list. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it in forever. Clearly not. But but yeah, this song <laughs> gets a little parody in the SpongeBob movie where he saves the day. This is like the this is like the movie's climax, which is kind of bizarre. In this case though, it's another high point for this album. Excellent choice to put it at track five. I mean, especially right after Horror Terria. This is a real kind of jumpstart to the second half of the record. This is one that came together especially quickly. D. Snyder said it was his attempt to capture that Iron Maiden feel, which I think he does pretty well. I don't know if you're familiar with Iron Maiden. Sure am. Okay, well, this feels up up that alley. He said that once he started singing a melody, all the lyrics and stuff came together right as he sang. And I think that shows to me. This song is fun to listen to. Don't get me wrong. High energy, lots of fun. Love it. It's sloppy, lyrically, really undercooked. Once you get away from that really perfect hook of I Wanna Rock, Rock! (laughs) it goes pretty far downhill pretty fast. It doesn't rhyme. It's jumpy. It's pointless. It feels lazy. The verses of the song are atrocious. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, like, it, it's another moment where I could just tell it was written so fast. Like, do a little lyrical legwork. I understand that every song can be, we're not gonna take it, or stay hungry, or a horror-terrier type story, but, like, ouch. But all I gotta say to you is time and time again, I say no, 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 no. Ah! Ow! Like, painful. That's painful. So if you ask me why I like the way I play it, there's only one thing I can say to you. Ugh, cringe. I love the song. I hate the verses. Some of the worst lyrics on this album in one of the album's best songs. It's the cognitive dissonance is real on I Wanna Rock. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't really get that dissonant for me. I don't really care. Oh, well. I like it. Okay. <laughs> well, I like it too. And so do a lot of people. It never did quite as well as We're Not Gonna Take It, but it did hit number 68 in the U.S., number 98 in the U.K. And in 2006, VH1 named it the number 20 greatest metal song of all time. Nice. So, I mean, it's got its merits. Don't let me discredit it too much. It's just that to read these lyrics outside of the context of the song, bleh, that's all. Meh. Anyway, let's move on and talk about The Price, the album's third single and requisite hair metal album Power Ballad, because it seems like every album has to have at least one. It's a good one. I agree. It never broke into the overall charts, but on the mainstream rock chart, it did get to number 19. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's the only other exception to the 45-minute album right from Dee Snyder. Like, he had that hook for We're Not Gonna Take It for a long time. He had this song. You know, it took a little longer, and it's from a different writing session. So it's kind of outside of the flow of the rest of the album. Gotcha. He wrote it after a phone call with the sister-in-law of J.J. French, which is not as convoluted as the ex-wife of the son of the rival club owner. But it was back in those payphone days, the long-distance call days. So when the band was out on the road for months at a time, keeping in touch with your family was really hard to do. And one day, they were recording, the studio phone was ringing, Dee Snyder picked up, and it was J.J. French's wife. She asked how he was doing. He was talking about how much he missed his family. And you know what she said? She said, that's the price you have to pay. Dang. Yeah, to be a touring musician and be on the road, just kind of the cost of doing business. And he picked up a tape recorder right away, just cranked this song out on the spot too. At least the melody and a good chunk of the lyrics. He says, the whole song just poured out of me, which I can believe. It's a very, I don't know, heartfelt song. Sometimes those are the easiest ones to write. And it's pretty good. I do think as fast as he wrote it, it's still a significant lyrical relief after I Wanna Rock to me. Fair. It felt like the chorus was emotional, pretty powerful, pretty well-crafted. The price we gotta pay and the games we gotta play makes me wonder if it's worth it to carry on. Really, that whole chorus is fantastic. I don't know. Pay and play. Pretty bad rhyme. Pretty weak. Just saying. Two tracks ago. No, I, that's entirely different in the context of Burn in Hell. Did you say so? But, but you're right. He also does on that talk about a bill to pay. You're right. No, you know what? Those lyrics are very similar. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, no, but it's, again, though, the context is different. It's not just, you're gonna burn in hell. It's like... It's it's just... It's emotional. You gotta pay. It, it's a different kind of emotion. It makes me wonder if it's worth it to carry on. Bur burning in hell is emotional to some people. <laughs> it's, it's him wondering if it's worth it to carry on. It's him grappling with this inner turmoil. And even though it's the life he chooses, this is still a sacrifice he has to make. It's not just like, ooh, scary, screw you. You know, this is the rest of your life. Like that. Mm, I feel like that's just how you've chosen to interpret it. I feel no. like you've got some bias going on. Here. That's how it's presented. If you say so. Either way, I said at the top of the episode that the lyrics throughout this entire album are a little subpar. So 
I mean, there's that. But I do think it's a good single, and I do think it's one of the album's brighter spots or high points. It is the third most popular song on the record. So, as the people's champion, you should know that the people agree with me. Uh, no, I was, I agree with the people that this is a good song. I was disagreeing with you on your take about crappy rhymes. What happened to you? You used to be the crappy rhymes guy. You used to hate that. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I can so many times. That's why Take Notes Kanye happened. It's because you didn't like his weak rhymes. Well, he needed to take notes. I don't know what you want from me. I think D. Snyder could take some notes. Listen, well, I'm the Twistmaster General, and I veto your take notes. I hate it. Okay, well, anyway, let's talk about Don't Let Me Down. Don't Let Me Down is okay. It's about a relationship that's failing. The first verse doesn't really clue us in. Doesn't give us much of an indication. He just kind of describes how much he wants to keep her. But then the chorus, paired with the second verse, kind of pivots it. You know, he laments that everything he does for her just isn't good enough. Which reminded me a lot of Everything She Wants by Wham. Do I have to die to show you my stuff? Well, I give you my best, so why don't you understand? Like, it's kind of it, as far as the song goes lyrically. It's a one-sided plea for her to recognize all the effort he's trying to put in, and we really don't get any closure on where this relationship is headed. Yeah, we don't. It's sad. It is. It's another high-energy song. It's the only one, I think, that rivals Stay Hungry in its intensity. But you know what? I really don't... The verses aren't super memorable, melodically. It's really just that chorus, which, again, don't let me down. They're still on that very <laughs> predictable chorus lyric. I really like the, the word play and pay. <laughs> You're right. You're right. They did it again. Verse three. Just one to play. That's all he says. He just wants to play. Big fan of that A sounds. I don't have a lot about this song. It was it was all right. It existed. It existed. It sure did. It sure does. And it exists so much you can still go listen to it right now if you want. But let's talk about the beast and the nature of it. We're almost there. Track eight. The beast reminded me a lot of Metallica's The Thing That Should Not Be. Remember that one from the episode in the 40s? Mm -hmm. It's another mysterious, terrible creature. Almost Lovecraftian. Almost like Cthulhu. I don't know. Maybe it's meant to be a physical monster. Maybe it's meant to be a spiritual demon. We're not sure. He implores you to listen to a priest, but he describes the beast like it's this very literal, physical killer. So who knows? It reminds me of the King's Island ride. Of the, the roller coaster, the beast? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. That's one of my favorite roller coasters on this planet. Not that I have a big, huge frame of reference. <laughs> As a total roller coaster guy that you are. I've ridden a few, but the Beast is probably the pinnacle for me. As far as, like, that's the most roller coastery roller coaster I've ever been on. But that's not the Beast they're singing about. No. Could be. No. It could have been if they wrote a different song. <laughs> this one is a sneaky Beast. It, it creeps up on you and is really stalking you, gonna kill you, take you down silently. They say you're his only target, his only goal. And to me, it's kind of fitting on a Stay Hungry album, where the first track encouraged you to be the hunter and the hunted. You know, on songs like We're Not Gonna Take It and Street Justice, you're kind of doing the hunting, whereas Captain Howdy, I guess, and The Beast give you a taste of what it's like to be at the other end of the gun, to be the one being hunted. I just want to say uh, one thing about this song. About The Beast? Yeah, what is it? I'm like a runaway, a heart without a home. All those can laugh and play it's here again they're playing <laughs> this is just a fun you know what twisted sister just wanted to play they just wanted to have a fun time and play yeah players be playing uh-huh what else they're playing is instruments honestly the big heart behind this entire album is their music and their instruments and just their hair metal style i think they execute that so well 
And it's impressive, their stamina as a band, that they can have such an illustrious live performing career and back it up with songs like these. That's kind of what, I, I mean, this album standalone, I guess we're kind of edging into Final Spin territory with this statement, but this album standalone, it's all right. You know, as hair metal albums go, it's one of the best. But I think in the context of Twisted Sister as a band and their image, their attitude, their career, I mean, that's where this album really shines. But anyway, we got one more song to talk about before we really get into Final Spin. And it's all about Twisted Sister fans, kinda. It's called SMF. And we already kind of talked about in the very beginning of the podcast what that means. Sick Mother Effer, which is also a nickname for the members of the Twisted Sister fan club, which D. Snyder actually had to admit, I think for the first time, when he testified before Congress. I don't know if it was widely known before then what it stood for. Mm. No playing on this song, but living for today... Not what others say. Still got that A going strong. Plenty of A on SMF. Yeah. It's about somebody who stands out in a crowd, doesn't really fit in with their family and friends. They kind of describe this person. They say, can't they see you're different? So hungry and so lean. Weird way to describe someone. They say, you're a walking wonder. You're a metal machine. So... I don't know in this instance if the sick means sick like wicked, cool, you know, or sick like twisted, but honestly, it's kind of anyone's guess, and it seems to me like the band would argue that it doesn't matter, because in their eyes, the two kind of six overlap a little bit. I mean, they say it straight up in verse three, we're the ones that live it, we are all really free, and if they think that we're sick, then sick is what we'll be. I kind of put this song in the same camp as Burn in Hell. Mm. The way that they sing it, just the way that they hit that S, M, F, kind of feels like down 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 on burn in hell like there's a parallel there that i always kind of draw and i would kind of say that this whole album can be grouped up as such maybe i don't know how many groups would you put these nine songs in i would kind of put we're not going to take it and i want to rock in one group stay hungry and don't let me down kind of go in another i feel like burn in hell horataria the beast and smf kind of go together and i guess that just leaves the price kind of groupless but they all feel like they go together anyway smf i think it's a solid assertive end to the album it's their statement that you know they're not ashamed of what they do or what they create it's defiant it's rebellious i think that's an attitude that really does just encompass this entire band and what they stand for so there let's get into final spin let's do it oh you didn't say let's spin it this episode i don't think i just realized i know we're a little late sometimes i do sometimes i don't yeah i gotta keep them guessing keep you dressing what what did you say sorry i keep them guessing it sounded like you said keep them dressing i might have i'm just <laughs> i might have accidentally said that anyway let's talk scores the music on this album generally pretty strong usually pretty samey verses generally fall victim to a, a very much more memorable chorus it's just because those choruses are so short so like burst of intensity and energy so those are what really stick with you given music in 83 lyrically this album feels like a three-car meltdown in a lot of spots it's got its merits like i said we're not going to take it is by far the lyrical standout and there are other moments on songs like stay hungry and the price that really kind of do it for me the beast is pretty clever smf has some good themes sometimes the lyrics i mean to write an album in 45 minutes i mean that's fine that's great don't be afraid to go in and tweak it clean it up Write some, write some replacement lyrics. I want to rock. Feels like falling down the stairs on the verses. It's just so clunky and uncomfortable. I just really didn't like it. Horataria, a little dark. Living up to that twisted in the Twisted Sister name. I'm giving lyrics an 81. 
which I think is kind of a benefit of the doubt score. Instruments in production, gotta love the hair metal. It's heavy, it's gritty, it's it's kind of dirty. Love it. And they're great instrumentalists. Some fun guitar solos and stuff in here. They kind of epitomize that defiant attitude through the way this album sounds. 85 instruments in production. And the overall vibe, generally I'm pretty satisfied with this album. I don't think it blows me away, but I like it. You know, I, I enjoy it. It's got a unique attitude to it. It's well executed. I'm giving it an 85. And of course, obviously it's produced the biggest hits of Twisted Sister's career. So, I mean, there's that. Some real iconic metal tracks came out of this record. So you got to give it credit where credit's due, which gives it an overall score of an 84. And that is the same score, actually, as Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But Twisted Sister's unweighted score is higher. So they win the tiebreaker and land at number 294 on the ranking list. That's pretty good. It's all right. It's about middle of the road. That's better than I was expecting with how you were talking about it. I know. Well, you know, sometimes I'm more critical than they probably deserve. This is about middle of the road for my 600-some album list. It's it's hovering around 300. I'm interested to hear what you thought about this album in total. You seem to have thoughts about each song. I don't know. They had their merits, but that doesn't mean you thought anything in particular about the whole bunch. That's fair. For me, this album... Album. The songs that I liked, I really, really liked. The songs that I didn't like, I don't really care. They, they just kind of existed. There's nothing I really hated. The ones that I didn't really care for as much just kind of filled a void until the next one that I did like. Okay, yeah. Like, I, it kept the tone alive, you know? It, was very, it kept the vibe flowing until we hit the next one I could really jam out to. I think that's a good way to put it. There are a lot of filler tracks that don't detract, but they keep you hanging on. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, I will be giving this... Oh, first off, I guess Connor Top 3. I was going to say, whoa, jumping into it. Connor Top 3 in album order. Connor will mention off the rip, stay hungry. R- right off the rip. Is that an expression that I just don't know? Or did you just make that up? Yeah, off the rip. I don't, yeah. You never heard off the rip? No, not until right now. Feels like a thing. Don't think I just made it up. Let me Google it. Oh, here. Urban Dictionary says, off the rip, the beginning or onset of an activity. Yeah. Or, very cool, or to eat or drink an item directly out of the container. Oh, that, that tracks. Yeah, so you drank this album. I drank this album right out of its container. And you did, like all that milk. <laughs> You drank that milk off the rip. But, uh, Connor will mention Stay Hungry. Yes, right. Followed up immediately with We're Not Gonna Take It. Pretty immediate. And jumping down to I Wanna Rock. Followed up immediately by The Price. So your top three is in pairs this week. You did the first two and two right back to back in five and six. Sure did. Unsurprising. Actually, well, slightly surprising. I'm surprised Stay Hungry lost out to The Price. Well... No, I was until just now. When I said it, I realized you're the ballad guy. So, unsurprising top three. That's right. And it's getting six. Six sixters out of ten. Six. Six twisted sixths. Sixthsters out of ten. No, not twi- I-, I was just going with sixthsters. No, no, no twisted. Just six sixthsters. Like, real hard to say. How do you spell that? Is there an X T H T in that word? S I X T H T E R S. Uh, S T E R S. Yes. Six. Ooh. Oh, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> There's too many consonants in a row. Sixthsters. It goes. S-I, and then X-T-H-S-T-E-R-S. Gross. <laughs> what, an, what an awful unit. But it got a six. 
Now, be honest, before you made the sixth Sturge <laughs> joke, were you going to give it a six? Or did you make it a six yes. to make that unit extra special? No, I did not make it a, I did not make it a six to make it extra special. Okay, well, a six is a little higher than I predicted for you. I kind of thought you'd put this at a five. Really? I did, I'll be honest. You didn't seem super duper into it. Uh... Not that, not that a six is super duper into it, but... yeah. I mean, I was super into it, but when you get down in the five territory, you get into where I start to have ones where I didn't like things about it quite a lot. True. Whereas on this one, it the things that I didn't love just existed. And so he gets a six. Yeah. This is like a neutrally buoyant album. Yeah. It floats, but it doesn't swim. Yeah. And it's going right above the biggest disappointments, the Beach Boys. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I don't think they were that big of disappointments. I, I think you got your expectations in the wrong place for that episode. I think they didn't bring the right expectations to their album. Whatever you say. Above the Beach Boys, though. Yeah, above it. You're really putting Twisted Sister above the Beach Boys. Yeah, I really like wow. uh, I Want to Rock and... Uh, 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 yeah, really like it, huh? Really love this one that you're about to say. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. I really like I Want to Rock and we're not going to take it. I'll tell you what, God Only Knows is rolling over in its grave. <laughs> Come on. But okay, it's your list, not mine. I'll keep my meddling opinions out, but just know. Right, you will. I'm I'm deeply wounded. Good. Do we even need to talk about playlist picks? Or would anyone be surprised? I mean, it's obviously SMF and the Beast. Thank you. I'm so glad we're on the same page. <laughs> we're not going to take, we're not going to take it. Yeah, well, we're, I assume we, what we're going to do, we're not going to take it and I want to rock. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> Those definitely have to be it. Ironically, we are going to take We're Not Going to Take It. And here we are, standing once again at the end of another long journey through a famed and fabled album. What an adventure it's been. We played Factor Spin. We did. We said everything we wanted to say about the album. <laughs> we sure did. We took away lots of notes from Final Spin. We sure did. And we went clubbing with Twisted Sister many a we time. We closed the day by going clubbing <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that's gonna just about do it for us if you want more spin it if you want to see what other albums we've done or what albums we're doing next you can find us on social media or on twitter at spin it pod on instagram at spin it pod official and on the web at www.spinitpod.com so give us a follow give us a visit drop by say hi tell us what you thought of the album send your fan facts or spin our way about any previous artists we've done you can just lie you know what we might be the only podcast out there that invites you to call in and lie to us i think we might be i love it and if you don't want more spin it too bad all that stuff still applies it still applies we're still there and we're still here wherever you're finding this podcast and everywhere else we'll see you next week we got another fine album from the findies lined up that i'm i mean very excited about it's a genre we admittedly have underrepresented so far and we're really gonna get into it so stick around to see what that is seven short days from now or less if you're listening to this album after the day it comes out or on a leap year <laughs> and until then have a great week and keep spinning. keep spinning do you think we could get a club to let us tear it apart do you think do you think we could host a podcast recording in a club where everyone that showed up we could let them demolish the place as we recorded yeah that'd be pretty great It'd be pretty cool i'll see if i could call in a favor with twisted sister next time i go clubbing with him i'll i'll pitch the idea have you ever been clubbing in your life <laughs> no 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, actually, yes. Well, really? Technically, I think. Tech, what's... If I, if I know what clubbing is. <laughs> what What's that mean? 